0: Mac Power Users, Episode 78. Workflows with Kurash Dini. Hi, Kurash. Welcome to the show. Uh, I'm David Sparks. Katie couldn't be with us today. She's got a family emergency. And felt really bad about it, so uh, she's not blowing us off, but she couldn't be here. And we thought we'd just go ahead and record anyway. So, uh, Kurash, we have been wanting to do a workflow show with a physician for the longest time, and you know, we were looking for that unique combination of physician plus geek. <laughs> and I was reading your book. You have an excellent book out on uh, creating flow with OmniFocus. Uh, which you can find at your website, which will be in the show notes. And it occurred to me, why aren't we talking to this guy? And, and uh, so when you showed up in Macworld and we got a chance to meet in person, it just seemed like a natural fit that we needed to get you on the show.
1: Oh, I'm I'm very excited to uh, to be on the show. I've been, uh, I, I, I've been listening and I've been enjoying, so I'm like, uh, wow, I get to be on the show. That's awesome. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's interesting because uh, Katie and I are attorneys and we – one of the things in our show we like to talk about a lot is how we incorporate our Apple technologies into our daily life. And it just seems a natural fit that we talk to a geeky physician as well. And sure. in preparing for the show, it's clear to me that you certainly are a geeky physician because yes. you're using a lot of these great tools to get your work done.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Um, trying to... Just trying to streamline the process all the time and trying to, you know, bring as much as I can into just the laptop and working from there and uh, keeping keeping the office as a um, kind of open space, as you uh, if you will. I don't know if that's quite the way to describe it, but bringing that sort of uh, streamlined um, uh, process of work into the laptop
0: has been what I've been wanting to do. And so you're a psychiatrist. Yes. But you're doing other things as well, right?
1: Yes. Yes. Um, I, so a few, so I do the uh, medication management work, but I also do some therapy work, um, training with, um, psychoanalytic, uh, training. And then, um, I've had a long-standing interest of music that I've been doing since I was about five and I still do that. And, um, uh, occasional video game. And beyond that, I needed to tie it all together. So I got into OmniFocus and that's kind of how that all tied together.
0: And you practice in Chicago. Yes. Yes. I, um, I'm i
1: downtown and uh, just have an office there and see my clients.
0: Yeah, I'm going to be there in a couple of weeks. Uh, for anybody who uh, – uh, the attorneys in the audience, if you're going to the American Bar Association Tech Show at the end of March, make sure to look me up. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, hopefully, Kourosh and I can have a meal together at some point as well. That would be awesome. Yeah. So – so you, how do you use your Apple technologies generally to run your psychiatric practice?
1: Sure. So um, I tend to uh, – where I work in my notes is is Pages for the most part. Uh, pages is an excellent uh, word processing program and it's a great way to just um, – I like being able just using it to uh, organize how the flow of the, um, the uh, session notes might go and then also um uh, actually a trick that I'd uh, picked up from one of your your posts at one point is that you can uh, hit um something like command p and then p again to just print it to pdf and then you have this ready made um uh, chart note and uh, so that's that's probably where the uh, the the center of it is is that the, I can create chart notes very easily uh using pages
0: yeah, so that's a keyboard shortcut if you go in the keyboard preferences pane you can create a shortcut for all of your Mac, and you just call it save as PDF ellipses, which is the command on the Mac. And I'll link the post in the show notes, but it's pretty cool because holding down a command key, hitting P twice, you can go from an existing document to a PDF file. And that works not just in pages, it works in any application. I use it all the time in Safari or even email. Yeah, it's one of those things that after a while you just take for granted. It's just like you use it all the time. So, as you're in a session, you have your MacBook Air with you.
1: Well, in the session itself, I tend to just use pad and paper. Actually, when I'm talking to somebody directly, but if I'm if I need to review my notes or if I need to look at my notes, I can easily go to the MacBook Air. Yeah, I have that on the uh, on my desk, um, which is kind of away from the the session area itself. But when I go to the to the desk, I I can access the notes very quickly. Um, actually, I'll use um, uh, Launch Bar to do that. I will. Um, uh, the way I've set up my file system is that the charts are labeled by first two initials, first name, first two initials of last name, and all I have to do is hit Command Space, which calls up Launch Bar, and then type those letters in, and I have instant access to that person's uh, chart, and I can look through all of the notes.
0: Okay, slow down for a second. Sure. What first two initials? Mm-hmm. First name, so for david sparks it would be d s d s david
1: uh, d a s p is what i would put down
0: oh okay got you mm-hmm. so
1: i would uh, that what that does it's it's pretty rare to have uh at least for my uh, my uh caseload to have that repeated for anybody so um that becomes a very nice way of uh, organizing my folders as well as uh, different instructions for different parts of the system, whether it's in uh, uh, the uh, chart or the or hazel, for example um, or for um, uh, lately I've been thinking about experimenting with text expander snippets for it. Uh, but it's a way to organize. Uh, a lot of different aspects of the Mac ecosystem to just have the first two initials of the first name and first two initials of the last name as being kind of a signifier for a person.
0: Okay, so that's not really a privacy issue. It's just a way to make it easier to get to the file quicker. Right. Okay. And then do you put the name as well, so it would be DASP David Sparks afterwards
1: uh no i mean i ha- i might have
0: your name within the session notes themselves Ah, gotcha but the f- but the folder name will just be d a s p correct okay. and then
1: and then so would the um um the uh chart uh like the um the, the patient document themselves.
0: right yes right. and then you just you keep a running uh list for one patient correct yes okay you know it's interesting there, i don't know a lot of people that use pages as a As a working word processor, if that makes any sense, and maybe it's just because I'm such a text geek, but, uh, you know, pages is where I end up at the end. I don't really spend a lot of time working in it until I've got a lot of text together. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you, you know, you're not alone, I'm sure. And in fact, on the PC side, I think that's just about how everybody does it. They keep a running word file on whatever they're doing.
1: I think since I got the uh, the Air and it sped up the processing, the MacBook Air, um, it works fine. You know, before I had it, it it would take a while for it to load. Even those like milliseconds extra, whatever it was, um, would slow me down. But now that it's there, I can just jump right to it, and I have several different templates that I can use from. Uh, you know the customized templates within Pages for depending on what it is that I'm writing. So partially, I like that that easy access to templates that that it uh, provides and the and the sped up process that's uh, that I can still get to it.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I wonder how many of our listeners take advantage of those templates in iWork because it's really useful. I I have several templates I use all the time in Pages. I mean, ranging from just my personal stationery to legal pleadings. And it's very helpful to be able just to push a button and get started. Mm-hmm. Um, on on Numbers, I'm even crazier. I have a bunch of what I almost consider apps built in Numbers, which are templates, you know, that I use for settlement conferences and calculating interest and other things. You know, it's called uh, a template, but really I run it as an application. That you know, I have a certain template that I run to get some kind of specific calculation done.
1: Oh, That's interesting. So you you have this. Uh... A geared, uh, something that is geared specifically towards making a calculation. Yeah,
0: you know, a, a problem that attorneys frequently have is calculating interest when you've got a contract and you know somebody breached a contract and didn't pay and mm-hmm. you know they breached it on a certain day and you're calculating interest as to another day and you have an interest rate, well, I've got a really user-friendly uh, pre-built template on that. So I just plug in those pieces and then it generates a really nice-looking report with a graph and everything. And I can do the trick you talked about, Command-P twice, mm-hmm. to print that as a PDF and just attach it as an exhibit to something I'm filing in court. And it takes me all of about 30 seconds.
1: That's a neat idea.
0: Okay. Yeah. So the templates in iWork are really useful, particularly in pages and numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, keynote's a little different. but So which MacBook Air do you use?
1: Um. You know, it's the. I don't remember the size. I think it's 13 inch. Is that right?
0: Yeah, there's the 13 and the 11.
1: Yeah, so it's the 13 inch.
0: Okay, and is it is it the newest generation or is it a year old? It or two is two years old now, I guess.
1: No, 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 no. It's later. It's the the newer generation. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I, I moved up from a uh, MacBook Pro. Um, the MacBook Pro is now the digital audio workstation. Um, but uh, the MacBook Air is now the office,
0: uh, the, the main uh, work computer. Okay. And then you'd also said in your notes that you use PDF PIN as part of this <laughs> workflow when you're in the office.
1: Yes. So um, uh, I, like, um, I like being able to uh, not deal with uh, faxes. So, or at least, I mean, I have to deal with faxes, being uh, doing psychiatry work and doing medications. But uh, I don't like dealing with the paper as much as possible, so um, uh, I receive the fax through my email um, by uh, using MyFax, and then I will download that as a PDF, and then open it in PDF Pen Pro, make whatever adjustments are required for the uh, pharmacist, and then I can drag and drop my signature. Um, so I do that from the library pane that uh, PDF Pen Pro uh, allows. Um, And then I can save that and, and then uh, attach that to an email, which gets sent to uh, as a fax to the, uh, to the pharmacy. Then uh, the PDF itself, I can adjust the name to those uh, same first two initials of the first name, first two initials of the last name to have it uh, eventually be sent to the correct uh, clients folder.
0: You know, it's, Kind of surprising to me that the medical profession still uses faxes so much. Faxing faxes. What's that word? I don't even know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um,
1: the I, yeah I I don't know what that's about. I think it's it could be partially that the medical field is very uh, cautious and understandably and rightfully so to uh, maintain uh, uh, try to keep everything. Correct as much as possible and private as much as possible, and all of that sort of stuff. so it moves through technology slowly um, so that's kind of my overall way of thinking of it. I don't know how accurate that is, but that's kind of how I think of it
0: I'm going to keep comparing it to the to the law practice since we're both you know nerdy professionals, but the, sure, yeah. we we really it seems to me that the last couple of years there's been a, a big shift in the law where people are starting to understand the idea of scanned PDFs a lot better. To the extent In my office, I, I turn off the fax machine. I don't even have a fax number I can receive on. You have nice. You have to call me and get the secret number <laughs> because I'm tired of attorneys sending me, you know, sixty-page faxes. Sure. <laughs> yeah, that would. Yeah, so, I, I like I like being able to get that as PDF. So you can't you can't email those those prescriptions. You you literally have to turn on the machine and dial in the phone number and fax it over.
1: There. Yeah. There's there's. Uh, a transition in, uh, occurring where uh, people are moving towards uh, electronic health records um it's difficult for the individual practitioner to do that uh easier for the large uh large entities to do
0: that do you find you know, using a mac that you run into trouble with that whole issue it seems to me the medical profession really has probably the ultimate enterprise in terms of the way you know medical technology at least every experience i've had with it it seems like they're using old computers and they've got some proprietary data system mm-hmm. and it looks terrible and it makes me hurt just thinking about having to work in it every day do, do you run into a problem with that using your mac
1: no because i i essentially design my own system i don't um But working in what I've, it's been a few years since I've worked within a, like uh, during residency or so, uh, within the proprietary systems, Um, those, you know, they moved slowly. They were hard to use. Um, But some of them, I I don't even know what to say. I I could go on for a bit on it, but I'll say that for my own system, uh, it, works very well because I can design it myself and whatever doesn't work, I can toss out quickly and whatever does work, I can um,
0: either evolve further or uh, just uh, keep. Yeah. The advantage of a small office is you're nimble. Yeah. yeah it's, it's the same thing for me. I'm a small office attorney and it's the same thing. I love being able to make changes that big firms can't. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, it's, 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 it's a great, great, uh, nicety to have, to have
0: that. It- um, uh, Hey, did you get a chance to meet Fletcher Penny at Macworld? No, I didn't. Ah, oh, you should have. You guys you guys could have got along great. You know, Fletcher is the uh, – he was a guest on our show. He he developed multi-markdown, but he's also a physician. And we had the exact same conversation at Macworld about how screwy the systems are. And, you know, he works in a hospital. So he's right in the middle of it.
1: So he knows it. Yeah, he's in the middle of it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, but uh... – Perhaps at the next Mac World.
0: Yeah, well, I am definitely going to introduce you to. Uh, oh, that'd be awesome. So, you also told me before we started the show that you've automated a lot of this stuff using Hazel and Launch Bar and I guess Text Expander and some of these other tools. Mm-hmm. So, explain that.
1: Sure. So the uh, Hazel is is um, um, what can I say about? It? I think that's probably the centerpiece of it. Uh, that I have a sorting folder that's off in my documents area. And that sorting folder has many, many rules that uh, Hazel follows. So Hazel is this program that will um, kind of examine the folder and then, uh, depending on what I tell it to do, will send those uh, files to wherever I tell it to go. And uh, by the same naming system of first two initials, first name, uh, first two initials, last name, that triggers... Any number of uh, one of these uh, rules within hazel so what I'll do is if let's say I name a file uh, uh, whatever somebody's name and then I send that to the sorting folder the sorting folder knows to add today's date at the beginning of that uh, that file and then send that file into the the client's chart
0: so if you put da SP at the beginning of the file, because you have somebody who's really crazy on your couch. <laughs> and you put it in a sorting folder, then it'll put in the date, and I presume it's the uh, year, month, day format? Yes. And then it moves that immediately to the DASP folder, which is probably the biggest one on your computer, right? Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I I Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just telling you what people have told me, you know. Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd say the, the biggest one is is perhaps my own.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that's, well, that's actually not a very complicated Hazel rule. I mean, you're just no. grabbing a name and, and sorting.
1: Sure, yeah. No, it's uh, one of these things where uh, it's very simple. But it, it makes a huge difference, um,
0: and it always makes sure the file ends up in the right folder when you do it. You know, there's always the possibility of human error when you do it by dragging with your finger. Uh, mm-hmm. It, it, you know, the date string is, is additional. Now, is it used today's date or does it use the date created for the date?
1: Well, I it uses today's date. Uh, I think it uses, I always send it to the folder at the end of the day, so they'd be the same. Okay. Um, Probably if I go back and look at it, I, I, I'd like to make sure that it is on the date created that, that, uh, that's the way I prefer it. But, um, yeah, so what I'll do is, you know, at the end of the day, I might have, let's say 10 different files on my desktop because on the desktop is kind of where I can review everything and where it's just very easy to get to. But then I always clear the desktop once it's, once I'm done. So at the end of the day, I can just group, select all of those and move it into the sorting folder. Um, and that's where I use LaunchBar actually. Um makes sense yeah so i just grab i just hit command a select all um tap function which is my um trigger to send that all into launch bar and then uh command enter will send it all into or i type uh, sor for the sorting folder and then uh, command enter will send all of them into the sorting folder and just boom
0: they're all sorted well the uh it sounds like a pretty efficient workflow. And now that we've got Hazel 3.0, I'm sure you should take a look at it. There's some there's some pretty cool rules in there you may be able to find some ways to even further automate it. Sure. And uh next week, everybody, we're going to do the Hazel 3.0 show. So we're going to talk all about Hazel. I'm getting tons of sample rules from some of our listeners and it's going to be a lot of fun, so check, tune in next week for that. Okay. The uh now, uh, I'm going to take a break now, though, before we move on. I, I want to talk about your writing workflows. But before mm-hmm. we do that, I'd like to talk about our first sponsor, which is 1Password. Uh, this is a great time to be using 1Password. We just had the clocks change, and I have a, a you know one of my manic things I do is every time I have to change the time of my clocks, I go and reset all my major passwords. And 1Password allows me to index them that way. I have a little folder so I know so things like PayPal, Dropbox, um, iCloud, which is increasingly getting a lot of my personal data, uh, all the stuff that really I would freak out if someone got uh, every you know approximately six months when the when the clocks change, I reset all those passwords. It's so easy with One Password because the application actually creates the password for you. It, one of the troubles I always had before One Password was in my life was. When it gives you that blank field and says insert password and I'd sit there and scratch my head, I mean, am I just going to blindly like, you know, mash down a bunch of keys on the keyboard or am I going to go back to one of my, you know, tried and true passwords that I'm using virtually everywhere? So if somebody gets it, then they can get everywhere I'm at. And it was always this little crisis I had in my life when I had to fill in a blank password. Well, one password takes care of that for you. It's got a nifty little slider that lets you set the length of it. It lets you uh, check the box. So, for instance, if you don't want to have symbols that look similar, like a lowercase l and a number one, you can turn that off so it won't do that. And it does all that for you. you. Just drop the password in, and you're ready to go. And if you're already using one password, I recommend you to copy me and go and change all your major passwords now. And then when the clocks change again, do it again so you know that you're constantly cycling some of the more important things as we put more of our digital life online. So you can get 1Password for the Mac App Store, for your Mac, for $49.99. If you're using Windows, you can get 1Password for both the Mac and the Windows. It's a bundle for $69.99, but you got to go to their website. That's onepassword.com. You can get the iOS Pro version, which gets you on both the iPad and the iPhone for just $15.00 or you can get the iOS regular version for $9.99 and that you can get it just for the iPad or just for the Mac. Boy, it's just a great app. You know, I, I just got a new iPad. I'm very excited about that. And I was setting up my old one uh, for my wife. So it turns out she wants it. <laughs> so, um, but in the process of doing it, I had to get all of her email passwords and things dialed in for her. And The first thing I did was install 1Password on the new iPad for her. And just because she has a 1Password file on her Mac, I was able to link it up just fine. And I was able to use all those passwords very quickly. You know, I just love this app. I can't say enough about it. If you're not using 1Password, you really should. Because, you know, your security online is probably... Uh, one of the most important things you can do as a computer user is is lock that down and 1Password gets you there. So thanks 1Password for sponsoring the show, and everybody, go check it out. Okay, uh, Kurosh, let's mm-hmm. talk about writing. Because mm-hmm. you, you've talked about pages, but I know you're also a big Scrivener user. Yes,
1: yeah. Scrivener's, uh, yeah, when I'm doing any sort of creative uh, writing, I think Scrivener is just phenomenal. Uh, however... Um, it, it keeps evolving. However, it keeps growing. It, it's it's a uh, a wonderful writing tool. That uh, it's one of the, it's one of those things that's a step ahead of of me as a writer. You know, it's like it's instead of me saying I wish that it could do this, it's more like I wonder if I could do this, and then I look and then I can.
0: Yeah, yeah. I feel the same way. Sometimes it's like an app that I aspire towards.
1: Yeah, it's like you you start working at it, and you're like. I need something here, and I need a way to organize this, and I can only think of doing it this way. And then, oh, I can. That is great. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. And the trick is not to go completely nuts with that stuff when you're writing in there. You want to make sure that you're you know, not spending your time spinning uh, spending dials and flipping switches that you're actually writing. But in terms of giving you tools for organization and tracking, it's just fantastic.
1: Yeah. No, I think it's it's one of those where – it's one of those examples of a tool of technology that you have to – you can learn, and maybe you, have, you should dedicate time to learn, but at the same time, you can't let it distract you from the task of writing. Um, and that – it's uh, – I don't, I don't think it really um, – it doesn't push you in – it doesn't pull you in that direction so much. It's more like you, you feel like once you get something, you can go, okay, I think I've got that. I'm going to go back to what I was doing.
0: Yeah. Now, did you write the OmniFocus book in Scrivener? I wrote partially in Scrivener.
1: I, I had, um, at the beginning stages, it actually bounced between Omni Outliner and Scrivener, and then back and forth a few times. Um, and Were so you eventually, doing that
0: with the OPML format, or?
1: Uh, no, I don't think I I was just copying and pasting at the time. Okay. It, it probably was a much better way to do it. <laughs> um, but I... I couldn't decide how I wanted it, and I just liked the outlining process of Omni um, Outliners more than that in Scrivener's. And then, but then I liked Scrivener's way of handling text a lot better. And then, uh, eventually, I, once I got it to a reasonable state in Scrivener, uh, then I started needing to add more and more images, and then I had to pull it out of Scrivener at some point.
0: Yeah, I think once you get to layout and, and the screenshots, that's when you move on, right right yeah it's it's
1: a it's wonderful for organizing thoughts but then at some point i find i have to pull it out maybe put it into pages where i can think of it more linearly where i can think like okay i need to present this first and this doesn't make sense until such and such is explained i'm going to move back over here and maybe it's just that it is more difficult to copy and paste than it is to drag and drop in the same way as uh, or, uh, comparing pages to Scrivener, that that's actually a benefit because then I think more about, do I really
0: want to do this? Um, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, Um, a little, a little. I'm I'm very meticulous about this stuff. To me, (laughs) there Mm -hmm. are phases of a project and Scrivener (laughs) is a big part of it. And usually it's the biggest part. But Mm -hmm. when I finish with Scrivener and I go into like a layout situation, then I'm done. I move on. Mm Mm-hmm. It's, uh, now, did you do you use Scrivener in your medical practice as well, or I
1: I tr- thought about doing that. I tried it once or twice. It didn't quite catch, and might just be because I didn't.
0: Uh,
1: I was thinking about maybe uh, one Scrivener project per client or something like that. Um, for some reason, it didn't. I didn't like it so much. I think one of the things I'd like to see added to Scrivener that might let me do that is if I can copy as link. Any of the individual drafts or, or pages that are in there—I don't know what the, those are called—the notes. If I could do that, that would make it a lot easier because then I can um, use OmniFocus to go to a specific uh, uh, file more quickly. Um, but since I can't, I can't—I'd have to like open up Scrivener and then search for it using the search box or something like that.
0: Well, that's kind of interesting. So to use OmniFocus to link to uh, specific pages, documents.
1: Yes, yeah, so, um, or a PDF file or any, you know, if I have something that I'm either uh, completing or if I have uh, maybe a particular note or a chart that I'm referring to that I want to refer to for myself, I'll have that in the note field of OmniFocus, yes.
0: Yeah, that that makes sense. You know, I think a lot of OmniFocus users do that. I have a similar workflow for when I get a particularly nasty letter from someone and I realize that I am not in the mental state to deal with it, you know, so I'll, I'll scan it as a PDF and then I'll just copy that as a link into a task and put it off. Just a mm-hmm. word to the, you know, if someone writes me a, a bad note, I'm not going to respond for several days. I'm going to let them stew for a while. Right. So I'll just put it in a task and set a start date in two or three days and deal with it. Then. <laughs> but then I don't have to go dig for it as the point.
1: Exactly. Actually, yeah, well, I'm,
0: i I'm kind of mm-hmm. dramatizing. Anything that I'm going to deal with in the future, I may I may copy to as a link.
1: One, one of the ways that I'll um, sometimes draft a letter um, is I will do it on, uh, regularly. So I will have like a repeating, uh, um, a repeating task in OmniFocus that says start again and uh, have it start again daily. And then if I embed the pages file or um, text edit file or whichever file in the note field, that gets copied With every repeat. So let's say I do work on something a little bit today, and then I check it off, and then the next day I work on the letter again, and I check it off, and it's, you know, it's filed already, Um, so I don't have to keep pulling it out and finding it again and all that. Um, It's just going to stay where it is, but it it shows up nicely as my next
0: task. That's an interesting idea. So it's a working pages file. Mm -hmm. Yes. And you know it's going to take several days to complete this document. Mm -hmm. and you set it up as a repeating task. I'm just saying it out loud again so I understand it. So Mm -hmm. as the task shows up every day, you just click the link, and you can go directly to pages and write some more on it, Mm -hmm. and you can click it off when you think you've read it enough, and the next day it's there. So eventually when you finish it, you just delete the task. Exactly. Interesting. See, I've always used it as a reference more than as a working file.
1: It it does change it to be a working file. What happens is the task itself – becomes, uh, what I like to call a meta task in that there's, it, you, you're, it's designed to be changed or it can, you can do one of two things with it. One is you check it off, meaning you're going to do it again the next day, or it will be, um, uh, deleted, meaning that, uh, so that's, that's your choice, meaning that it'll be, it's done. So once it's deleted, um, or, you know, you might decide to change it to whatever the next action is with that task. So maybe it's email it at that point. Um, so in, that's that's the way I tend to use it. That allows it to be
0: more of a working task. Okay, let's go into OmniFocus a little bit because you, you wrote a whole book on it. Sure. You know, the I think you were the first guy to do this. I mean, the uh, it's called Creating Flow with OmniFocus, and it's a fantastic book. Thanks. Uh, one of the things that people complain about me is I'm I my whole omni focus system really focuses on these start dates. And I don't know if you ever watched the uh, multi volume screencast I did on it, but sure, yes, everything is focused on start dates, and that's kind of just how I work. Mm-hmm. And some people write me and say that doesn't make any sense because then every morning you have to go through your whole list, and if it's got a start date, then you got to move it and and they legitimately complain. They spend way too many minutes every day managing those start dates. Uh, but I, it works for me, and that's fine, you know. But you talked about some other solutions in your book as well for using OmniFocus.
1: I, I actually use the start date method for quite some time. I like it; it's not a bad method. The only thing, the thing that I, limited me for that was that when you sort by, uh, or no, when you group by sort uh, start date, um, then you don't get to group it by anything else. So, uh, you know, if you have group by start date in the context view, and you say, and you just want to look at the things that are starting today, which, you know, it's it's good, but then you can't group it by context or group it by project, for instance, um, quite as easily. Um, So that's, then I, what I did was I switched over to the flagged, a flagged system um, where actually I kept the start dates. I didn't actually get rid of them, but just if I flagged all the things I needed to do today in addition, then I could um, use one of the other uh, filters to just say, okay, I just want to look at the flagged and do stuff. Um, and then it'll still only show those things that are um, uh, relevant. And then I can use the uh, the uh, grouping to – I can use the grouping column again.
0: Okay. So you still doing the start date audit in the morning then? I don't do Audit no. Um, I'm trying to understand how it would go. Uh, uh, I just I'm not clear. So you you will flag the things that you you definitely want to finish today.
1: I will. F- it doesn't have to be finished, um, but these are the tasks that I would like to um, to do. So uh, let's see how I can best describe it. So I have what's called a core window, and this core window has my flagged tasks, and generally I would like to get through those today. Um, some of those have start dates. Some of them do not. But in general, the, the flagged ones signify um, today. Um, but then what I can do from there is I can uh, use any of those tasks to, uh, like, I, I embed within some of those tasks a uh, link to other aspects of my workflow. So, for example, I might have... Uh, a, a, um, various phone calls to make and then I link to the calls context and then I can go through those um, but I don't have an audit per se like a, like a morning audit it's more like I'd, because so much of my workflow is a repeating uh, setup it, there's, uh, and I've, I'm, I've carefully cultivated that repeating setup over however many months and years it, I pretty much have things where I want them when I, when I get up in the morning um, so I'm trying to explore so that. So you
0: really don't have to do the morning audit because it's, it's more, I guess, routine in terms of your, your tasks.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, i it's a, it's a careful cultivation of routine. Yes. Uh, that's probably actually a good way to put it, that it's, it's like I'm working on the habits themselves.
0: Yeah. See that and for me, it's a complete opposite. Every day for me is. A new party. I, I mean, I just, <laughs> the stuff I do on Wednesday because my practice is it varies between both transactional litigation. I could be deposing someone, or I could be writing a purchase agreement. So everything is different every day. Mm-hmm. I I just couldn't do that, but that makes a little more sense. But if you look at your available tasks than on OmniFocus, you're going to see a lot of stuff there, right? Because yep. there's no start date filter.
1: Right. If I if I set that to just available without any any, uh, uh, without flag, uh, ness, uh, being one of the filters, it'll, there's a ton, of ton of stuff, well, um, but uh, I, but because it's on flagged or do that limits everything.
0: See, I always thought that anything that didn't use a start day filter was completely insane. And then I read your book and it made, made more sense to me, but mm-hmm. it's just not for me, but sure. Well, if you are interested in this stuff, you should check out the book because it's, it really lays it out nicely. And, uh-huh. and now you have an audio version.
1: Yes, yes, just just released, I'd say last month, I think. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I hired somebody to do the uh, do the the audio work. I, I realized that um, just just because I own a
0: microphone doesn't make me somebody who can
1: <laughs> who can read the book. So it's it's professionally read and it's and it's nicely done.
0: Yeah, well, the it's it is a great book and. People have written me and said, well, why don't you do an audiobook of Mac at work or iPad at work? And I think it would just make people want to drive off a cliff, honestly, <laughs> because, you know, you need screenshots and all this stuff. But, but I think it would work for your book. So I'm glad you did it. Thanks. So, yeah. Before continuing, let's talk about our sponsor, Omni Group. Omni makes the premier outlining application both for the Mac and the iPad in Omni Outliner. I use this app all the time. In fact, I recently discovered a new use for Omni Outliner on my iPad, and that is as a meeting presentation device. You know, I've always used Omni Outliner on my Mac to plan things. It's a great place to collect data and information and kind of sort out your thoughts. Although I've never really used it on my Mac much with other people. It's always been something I just use by myself. But when I'm giving meetings lately, I've been building meeting agendas in OmniOutliner because it's got that great way you can just tap the little disclosure triangle and show and disclose areas of your agenda. And I'm finding clients and coworkers are really appreciating that. So we've got in our conference room a setup with an Apple TV. I've got OmniOutliner on my iPad, and I can quickly move through a meeting agenda using an OmniOutliner outline. Well, that's just an example of what you can do with this application because it's not just an outliner. It's really kind of a spreadsheet in the sense, too. It's got multiple columns. It can do math. It's got support both on the Mac and the iPad. Uh, On the Mac, you can get the regular version for $40 and the Pro version for $70. And on the iPad, it's $20. So this is the way to go if you're interested in outlining or even perhaps presenting Uh, With the outline format, go check it out at the Omni Group, and thanks so much to the Omni Group for supporting the podcast. Okay, so uh, I guess I kind of interrupted. You said there was something else about OmniFocus I missed.
1: Yeah, no, I just just came back. uh, Came to mind. Um, I remembered the uh, the lecture you gave on OmniFocus at MacWorld. You you had this one slide, which I thought was really good. This slide that um, describes. Omni- it had a picture of OmniFocus with a, with a king as a head or something like that. I,
0: do yeah. yeah, I, t- I took a shot of um, John Hodgman in one of the Apple commercials. Okay. You know, where he's sitting on the throne and he's looking down at, at little poor PC. And I, I put a copy of the OmniFocus icon over his head. <laughs> and I said, you know, you can't let OmniFocus become your master. You know, exactly. I always joke that it is. Um, you really have to manage OmniFocus, not let OmniFocus manage you.
1: I, I think that there's there's such uh, an important something to that that I, that uh, you have to maintain agency. You have to maintain like you, you have to look at the program. And you have to say, is this where my mindset is? And if not, how can I make the program work for me? How can I make it do what I think needs to be done? And um, I think that that makes such a difference in how and in, in being able to use the program and getting to use the program and and continuing to use the program. So I I thought that was like such a nice central way of of putting that together. I just wanted to mention that.
0: Well, thanks. I, you know, I do think that a task management system like OmniFocus is really essential as life gets more complicated. Mm. And keeping track of your tasks is great, but you. I think there's a tendency from people, just the mere fact that they've put something in OmniFocus uh, makes them feel some obligation to keep tracking that task, even when it no longer is relevant to their life. And one of the things I love to do in my morning review is, is delete tasks. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily advance something I'm not going to finish today to a future date. I may just delete it. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's, it's, it's, very important to remove things you no longer do and remove things that are no longer – because the more you remove, the more you can focus on the other things.
0: It really is a constant battle for me as I get – I let too many tasks into my daily routine more than I, I know that I have the ability to end. And mm-hmm. it's like this emotional weight on me. And I know from the very beginning of the day that I'm going to become a failure at of in terms of finishing my intended goals for the day. But I still let myself do it, Mm -hmm. and uh, you know it's it's a thing I struggle with because then you go through the whole day knowing that you're you're not going to get to the finish line, Mm -hmm. and because and you're going to have other interruptions as well. Um, And I really have to step back sometimes and say, okay, you know, look again and be honest with yourself, and and push stuff off. And if you're pushing so much stuff off that you just don't physically have the time to finish it, and you're never going to get to it then it's time to decide what's really important and start deleting.
1: Yeah, I think that's actually one of the ways I got into OmniFocus was this idea of it's, it's, it's got this almost um, therapeutic process in the sense that it, you have to be honest with yourself. You have to say, okay, what can I do? What can't I do? What, what is meaningful to me? What, is, what do I want to do? What's worrying me? And how can I prioritize all of those things in a way that's realistic? Um, so I, it, it's really phenomenal for that way to just hold that mirror up to yourself and then say, okay, I'm going to do something about it now.
0: Yeah. In theory. I mean, I think, it's I think it's, <laughs> I think it's easy, just as easy to get, to get hung up and saying, okay, I'm going to have 70 items on my task list for today. You know, and sure. it, it's really a mistake if you do that. Cause you're, you're just setting yourself up for disappointment. Yeah. But, yeah. uh, it, it is a great app for, for keeping yourself honest, how do, how do you use the review feature in OmniFocus? Do you? Well, I guess do you use the review feature?
1: Yes, definitely. I think review is is um, one of those absolutely important things that uh, I use it every week, um, kind of the the GTD Getting Things Done um, recommended way, and um, tends to be used to be on Thursdays now. It's on Sundays, but uh, it's very important, I find, to be able to step back from your system um, because if you don't keep that space, then uh, the system can become uh, clogged in the same way as a a hard drive becomes clogged is the way I envision it. Like, You need a certain amount of space to be able to defragment. Uh, You need a certain amount of space to be able to move things because if you become too Without the review, that time can get uh, consumed by other things you're doing, and then you you have no way of evaluating or no way of looking at what you're doing. You're just overwhelmed all the time. Um, so, in in a sense, it becomes this nice island of time in which you can just reflect on what's meaningful.
0: I, you know, I've tried something new lately. I've been using a daily review, and mm. I've been doing it for a couple months now. I'm going to write it up at Max Barkey, maybe even before this goes live, but the problem I was running into with the weekly review is sometimes I would get to it and I'd be exhausted or for whatever Mm -hmm. reason, I'd just be overwhelmed by the number of things I need to review because they Mm -hmm. add up. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I've just been doing it every day now and I have a repeating daily task and you know, I've got several repeating daily tasks. One of them though is review OmniFocus and as a result, it's much more, you know, bite size or Mm -hmm. I'll review three or four projects a day and because I only have three or four, I'll take more time with the review of those projects. It's and, not a
1: bad way to do it. Yeah. Cause if it, the more time you spend on it, the more, you know, meaningful and useful it becomes.
0: Yeah. I do think that's the single one tip that you can use to improve your Omni game. If you're not doing it uh, is to use the review. I mean, yeah. it's just so helpful. And I know so many people that have the best intentions to review, but never do it. And I think it really makes a difference because you're always on top of projects that way and and frankly it's another opportunity to delete projects you know mm-hmm. when you review it doesn't mean you have to say okay well I'm going to push this off for 2 months you can say no I've been pushing it off 2 months for 10 months which means I'm never going to do it so goodbye and right. it feels kind of good
1: Absolutely yeah that's that's good but then you can also one of the things you can do to reduce the, the, the workload of the reviews, if you want to space out the, the reviews, like you can choose in the inspector, I don't want to review this for two weeks or three weeks. And then because it's, it might be a large reading list, for example, you know, that way you can just, you can further focus on your the review items that are actually important to you now.
0: Absolutely. I mean, if you use the, that's the advantage of OmniFocus, really the GTD Canon, Mm -hmm. Says that you're supposed to review everything every week. Mm -hmm. I've got some projects. I mean, I've got like a corporate client that I talk to once a year. These guys never have any disputes, and just the Mm -hmm. way they run their business, they really almost don't need a lawyer. But Mm -hmm. so I review that their project, their corporate project, once every six months. Mm -hmm. And that's all that's enough. Uh,
1: That makes sense. Yeah.
0: So Depending on what the task is, and and then like the default for me is two weeks for projects, not one week. But I've got projects that I back down to reviewing every three days. It's so it just depends on the needs. But you'll find that a lot of your projects don't need to be reviewed once a week, and and that makes it more manageable for you. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, no, I think
1: that's a good. Way. That's the, actually probably one of the advantages of your method is that you can review it. You can set every three days because otherwise doesn't doesn't make sense I couldn't do that
0: you had talked about the uh, the use of mind states as contexts ah yes um, just
1: like my first like nowadays my first uh, uh, context is uh, creative so in the morning when I get up I do my writing so I'm, I'm working on my next uh, book I'm sitting down I'm, I'm writing every morning that's my first because it's listed as my first context that's that's the mind state. But there's there's caution to be had, I think, with, with mind states that that I'm still trying to think through. But I think it connects to this one way of, of procrastinating that you can do with uh, using any form of context, um, which is wherever you are, you can always write a next action of somewhere you're not. So uh, you know, let's say I'm you know sitting at the desk, and I decide my the next action for writing some email is to consult with somebody, so I just you know make that an agenda item, and then I don't have to talk to that person or I do have to talk to that person, just I don't do it, so I've successfully procrastinated, and then the problem with mind states is that it's much more fuzzier than that, so I might just be you know, uh, writing something. I'm like, I'm too tired for this right now. And then you might delegate it to something where you feel like, okay, delegate it to high energy time or something like that. And then not get there. Um, or so it, it makes it, I'm much more a fan of inducing the mind state of, I want to be creative. So I'm going to put myself in that context where I will be creative and then I'll try and see how it goes.
0: Yeah. It seems like those, those uh, mind state contexts are very fluid. Whereas if you have a context that says sitting at my desk, Mm -hmm. you're either sitting at your desk or not. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you have creative, you can be sitting at your desk and you can be creative or you can be tired or you can be high energy or anything you decide you want to be in terms Mm -hmm. of the existing task.
1: Right. Right. So it becomes too, too, um, too interpretive uh, unless you really know what that is. So for me, the creative task, I know exactly what that is. That is sitting at the laptop in, uh, you know where it's quiet, usually at you know the early morning hours.
0: And you had also said you use TextExpander in OmniFocus.
1: Yes, um, actually, I'm I'm putting together a screencast on that uh, on using it in a communications uh, perspective. Um, and uh, I there's a number of ways that I use Text Expander, but probably the most extensive is in this sort of um, uh, this perspective where I will. Use text expander to calculate uh, the number of days in the future that I'd like to follow up a waiting for task, for example. Um, so a waiting for task is, is another one of these meta tasks where it's meant to be changed or checked off or something will happen to it um, that's not just checking it off usually. And at the beginning of it, I will have uh, a snippet that will say, uh, that starts with, a particular date, followed by an instruction, change it into a call item or an email item or just to drop it. And um, so the way I have it is I might type um, CTC, which means convert to call, and then put the number three after it. And that would say convert to call th- in three days. And then Text Expander will calculate three days from now and put that, as, uh, you know, the beginning uh, part of the snippet and then put an arrow and says email. And then what's nice about this is that if I sort by name, I can have all of these sorts of instructions to myself on my waiting for list uh, sorted by the date. Um, and then I can just look at today's date and say, okay, these are the things that I want to
0: change to uh, calls or emails. Okay, you're going to have to explain that for me again. Sure. <laughs> I'm not sure I got it. So so these are, are OmniFocus tasks, Mm-hmm.
1: So, these are omnifocus tasks, and they are four tasks. Um, and my waiting four tasks are these, these active tasks that I will uh, review uh, daily. Um, and uh, I don't know if that one of the review things that you were describing. Maybe. Anyway, I review my waiting four tasks uh, daily. Okay.
0: And, and so, within- if, you, if you had a call, you were expecting a call from me or an email from me, uh-huh. what would you do?
1: So I would put down. Uh, so I'd say waiting for response from David Sparks. That the uh, uh, you know and that and then at the beginning of that phrase, so before the W of waiting for, I'd put in. Um, you know, I'd think okay, if I haven't heard from David, I'd like to email him in four days if I haven't heard anything since then. So I put C T E convert to email four, and text expander would expand that into. Um, uh, four days from now. So today is the uh, uh, 17th and it would put down 21st. Uh, so it put down uh 2012 dash three dash 21 and then an arrow to email. So, that so and that's
0: you, all in the task description. It's not the start date or anything. It's all <laughs> in the task description.
1: That's in the task itself, the task title itself. Okay. Um, and so when I sort that by name, uh, that will allow me to see that you know let 's say I have four things that are all happening on the twenty first I can see those four uh, tasks all right next to each other, and they like this one says convert to email and i 'll just change that task to email David. And then the next one, I'll say call whoever and you know, change the names of the tasks as well as change the contexts. So I might change the waiting for context to call or to email. And now all of those things are on my call and email uh,
0: lists. Interesting. Yeah. So it's a,
1: bit, it's a bit convoluted and a bit complicated perhaps, but it works for me.
0: And it allows you on a daily basis to see what's out there.
1: Yeah, it, it, and it, it, it's a way of following up. I yeah. think that's, that's the distills part of it.
0: And, and so the way I do that is I have a, use a text expander snippet, like follow up uh, mm-hmm. dot F def, dot f u excuse me. Whoa, mm-hmm. Getting, getting blue here anyway. And then I'll hit, I'll hit tab and I'll, I'll hit four day, you know, four D mm-hmm. and then I won't see it for four days. But the, the hiccup in that is when the guy calls me in two days. Exactly. And cool. I, uh, I talk to him and then I forget about that task and the task shows up in a couple days. And then I, I delete it at that point. A, but,
1: that's exactly, that's exactly what it works around. That's the, uh, because then you have the task still waits and you're waiting for a task.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, although for me, honestly, uh, usually if it's related to, to work stuff or even max Sparky stuff to, to that regard, I have a project or some kind of thing going on that relates to that call. And quite often I will go in and adjust the the project. Will change after the call if mm-hmm. it's an important call. So then I'll go in and I'll just jump to the the project at that point and mm-hmm. make the changes. And then that will get deleted as part of it. That not all the time, but but quite often that will be happening, especially if it's a big project. Mm-hmm. So if someone calls me back and tells me something important and it changes the direction of the project or or just changes my personal responsibilities, I'll mm-hmm. jump into the project. I'll add new tasks. I'll delete old ones. Part of which would be that contact, but not always. So I can see why tracking it on a daily basis would make sense. The downside would be uh, seeing that list every day. I think would make me a little nuts.
1: <laughs> sure. Well, I I should have the 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 screencast of it hopefully together soon, and I'll, I'll hopefully I can show it off to you.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Let me know. I'll, I'll link it. The uh, it seems like there's a whole run of people screencasting their text expander OmniFocus uses. <laughs> yes. Well, I think, I, I think you started it. No, I, I didn't start it. I think it was Finn. Oh, it was oh, Finn. Finn may have. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was one of you guys. And then, and then, uh, and then uh, somebody else started it too. And then, yeah, anyway, I kept going. So I'm like, all right, I got to do this.
0: Yeah, you got to get in, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm disappointed in you. You haven't done it yet.
1: I know. I haven't <laughs> done any screen. I've, I've got the, I've got the software. I've got the microphone. I got to do it. <laughs> so we'll get there.
0: I, I think OmniFocus is an amazing product. They, uh, I talk to people all the time who love it and use it. I also hear from people who, who listen to me yammer on about it and don't get it, and then they finally go ahead and try it, and they're saying, "Wow, how come I didn't try this earlier?" I, I think it's a great product. I, I'm really glad you you created that book because it, it really is the power course. For people who want to get a lot of out of, out of OmniFocus, cool. Yeah, thanks. I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. Okay. So let's. I'm going to take a break really quick and talk about our last sponsor, Daisy Disk. And uh, you're using an SSD, I noticed, with your MacBook Air, and you, you said you just recently added one to your MacBook Pro as well. All of us are suddenly dealing with something that we had forgot about, and that was disk management, because you know there was a time when. Keeping track of how much space you're using on a disk was a big deal, and then hard drives got really cheap and really big, and we got real sloppy, right? Mm-hmm. And now the SSDs are back, and we're dealing with the same problem again. And so, how do you deal with it? I, the way I deal with it is with Daisy Disk. It's a super app. It's ten dollars in the Mac App Store. Uh, it used to be twenty, so hey, you know, you're getting a good deal. That's I paid twenty for it. Um, it's gorgeous. And it makes disk management easy and fun. So it, what it does is it makes these concentric circles. And all you have to do is click on a circle that's got a big chunk of it, you know, they're color coordinated. And it'll show you what that represents. It might be your iTunes library, or it may be uh, some iMovie projects. I just did a daisy disk run on my SSD the other day, which was getting kind of crowded. And I realized that I've got about 15 gigs of iMovie data for movies that I've already made and exported and sent off to people. You know, I don't need all that other stuff. I don't need to keep all those old video files and Daisy disc found that stuff for me. Then you just drag them down and you can throw them away right in the app. It just does a great job of managing your drive and, and you can find all those errant applications that start adding extra stuff. I mean, a good example is OmniFocus because I'm so manic about my OmniFocus backups. Mm-hmm. Um, I had something like 10 gigabytes of OmniFocus backups. So then I just set up a hazel rule that looks at the OmniFocus backup folder and throws away those backups that are, you know, more than two weeks old. Um, so, it's a great application. It allows you to manage your SSD. It's Lion friendly. It goes in full screen. Um, it's a fantastic way to, to manage your disk. So, check it out in the Mac App Store, Daisy Disk. And thanks, Daisy Disk, for supporting the Mac Power users. Now, Kurash, you also are a user of DevonThink, and, and I've been playing with that app lately too. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you incorporate that into what you do? Well,
1: um, Devon Think is uh, – it, it's become more or less my main file managing system. Uh, it's a nice way to uh, to search for things, and I'm just – I for some reason, I'm enjoying the way it presents uh, files and folders uh, more so than Finder. Um, I don't know why exactly that is, and I keep trying to think about that. Why is it that I, I – Enjoy you know for example, I can replicate and duplicate, and you can kind of do that anyway with with the finder, but somehow it seems that like the the process is nicer or smoother within Devonthink, so I like the um uh, the file management itself even of uh Dev and think
0: yeah it, it and you know it has some other solutions as well. I think it's really great for paperless and uh, depending on which version you get it's got some o c r support. The uh, it, it really is an interesting app, and it's one that I think people either get it or they don't. And I'm not sure I get it yet, but I'm, I'm trying to figure it out because I, I've just never dedicated the time to it, but I've been using it a lot over the last couple of weeks, and there's really a lot to like about it.
1: There's uh, somebody I, – I wish I remembered the name of the person who wrote the blog post, but somebody had written – said it, it has a long – or a sharp appreciation curve. Not, not. Uh, there's a, there's a learning curve to it, but there's also this sharp appreciation curve, and I thought that was a very apt description. That uh, you start slowly picking up these little things that all start coming together, and you're like, oh, okay, that 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 works well. That's nice. the The, the drawback is that it separates the entire database in one sense from everything else, although it's still searchable. Um, but uh, at the same time, it makes it so that you can how those files are grouped together and how you can sort them together and how you can uh, make smart folders and have them all interrelate and, and all these little things that add up that like, Oh, this is actually a nice system.
0: I'd like to switch gears to one last topic. Uh, (laughs) You did a a home screen post for me. Oh, I don't Mm, know when you did it. It was um, in July of last Mm -hmm. year. And, you had, you know, at the end of the home screen post, I always ask people, well, "Is there anything else you'd like to share?" Mm-hmm. And usually, somebody says something pithy or funny. And you, mm-hmm. you just kind of blew my mind. You wrote this little essay about the idea of non-reactive working, mm-hmm. and in a lot of ways, I think that's one of the best home screen posts I've ever put up because it was so interesting. You want to talk about that a little bit?
1: Sure. Yeah, actually, it touches on what I'm, what I'm writing on nowadays and what I'm trying to develop, uh, further is this idea of trying to think of where it is that your mind is now in the sort of experiential way, the sort of, what is it that is on my mind? What is it I want to be doing? What is it I want, you know, what are my worries? All that, um, before starting to act before starting to say, okay, I'm going to start working on something because there's, it's becoming increasingly, um, Easy and probably too easy for us to just start to react to our environments. And that includes, um, I think that even overlaps with the idea of the um, uh, losing agency with the, the task, uh, task management, where you just start doing whatever's on your task manager. Uh, it's this idea of um, what I like to call silence, this idea of sitting back and, and having your context, whatever you're sitting in, kind of support yourself in this space where you can just sit back and think, sit back and just go, okay, this is what I want to do with X, Y, or Z, and then letting that kind of come to mind. Um, I don't know if that's exactly what I was getting at in that post. I think uh, uh, it may have evolved a bit since then, but thats I think that's the general concept behind it.
0: Yeah. The way I, th- I interpreted it was the space between you know, perceiving and action. Mm-hmm. That yes. When something happens, you don't have to let the autopilot determine the response. Yes,
1: absolutely. That if you can, if you can, kind of separate that um, uh, that reaction, that immediate reaction, from like, oh, I have this desire to do this thing, and instead step back for a moment and think, is that what I want to do? Is that the way I want to think about it? And that way, you let your thoughts gather, and then you can. Much more often, be able to present something that is more uh, cohesive, more uh, interesting, and kind of comes from somewhere more within you. You know that that there's you, you have something more uh, more to give to the audience or to your writing or to whatever it is you happen to be doing.
0: And and the context you put this in in the post you did for me was about how that is more difficult now than it used to be because of technology.
1: Yes yes i think so that uh, you know for example i can get uh, you know snippet happy if i make too many text expander snippets and then i'm just i'm writing things that i should be thinking about that i you know i should be rather than um you know if i make this snippet about um whatever i can't think of it, it's but if i make something that I should be sitting back and, and like, okay, no, I want to think about this part of my writing. I don't think this is something that I should just have a blank template on. But it's too easy in some ways to do that. So I have to sit back and think, wait a second. I can... Why don't I do this? Why don't I make some a snippet with these parts and then have a fill-in for these parts? And that way I can think during these periods of the filling-in. Um, so you have to actually manage how quickly you do something in a sense. Or how how... In, rather than just react
0: yeah yeah no, i I completely get that, and I think that you know text messaging and just this this instant access a world of ours mm-hmm. makes it really difficult i i mean I've written about this in the books i I credit Merlin Mann to some of this stuff, but mm-hmm. I really feel that email is not something that you you check constantly i just right. refuse to do that I'm not going to become a monkey you mm-hmm. know that jumps every time you put in a quarter. And there's a lot of stuff in my life that works that way. And I attribute a lot of any success I've had to the fact that I'm willing to say no and not let stuff take over.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. One of the, one of the huge things I had done was I decided communications, all communications, emails, phone, Twitter, that sort of thing, uh, unless otherwise scheduled occurs twice a day. And you know, there might be some emergencies, things like that. There, there are exceptions, sure. But I have this sort of grouping of these times where, you know, because it's, it's actually people are, are, are the distractions. We all want to get into contact with each other, and, you know, and, and, but it's, you want to be able to devote the time with, with depth when you want to, when you want to um, engage with somebody. So that's why uh, if you're always on, you're not going to do that and your conversations will suffer and your own state of mind will suffer. But if you can devote those times to like these certain times and then you can focus on the things that are of interest to you, then when you go to talk and when you go to engage and then, then that's when the conversations become more meaningful and in depth and all that.
0: It's really a mindfulness practice is what you're talking about.
1: I think so. Yes. Yes. I would say that.
0: Well, I am very interested in to see what you do with this next book. Oh, very cool! You yeah. teased me now, so.
1: I <laughs> well, i I continually uh, tease myself. I'm trying to figure it out myself. <laughs> it's 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 a process of, um, um, you know, trying to understand uh, a certain flow and work, and uh, and hopefully that's we'll see where it goes.
0: Well, I'm sure it will be interesting, and I can't wait to read it. And uh, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing some of your. Uh, physician-related workflows and getting uh, nerdy and talking to me about OmniFocus in depth because I think your, your take is really important.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I've, I've, I've really enjoyed uh, talking to you. This has been great.
0: Okay, well, um, I'm sure we'll be seeing each other again. In fact, in a couple weeks we're going to have a meal. Uh, in the meantime, everybody, uh, come back next week and learn all about Hazel 3. If you've got some great idea, let me know. However, um, we are we're locking down the outline as I record this. I'm not sure we'll be able to get any new tips in, but uh, you're going to get all the tips about Hazel 3 in a week. So we'll all see you then, and have a great day.